The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data... Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Shap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome back to the MarTech Podcast. Today, we're going to continue our discussion about a controversial stance of the purpose of marketing, that it's all just bullshit. Joining us today is Edward Nevermont, who is the author of Marketing BS, which is a book that will be published this fall. Prior to becoming an author, Edward served as the CMO and CRO of General Assembly. He was the CMO of A Place for Mom and was also the VP of Customer Loyalty at Expedia. He's been a lecturer covering online marketing and analytics at the University of Washington as well. Yesterday, Edward and I talked about the problems with advertising, and today we're going to talk about why data-driven marketing is basically BS. Okay, here's our interview with Edward Nevermont, the author of Marketing BS. Edward, welcome back to the MarTech Podcast. Thanks. Great to be here. Great to have you back. Yesterday, we covered a lot of ground, and we talked about the general purpose of marketing, how marketing is an effective medium. That's why you've been a career marketer. It's something that I've been focusing on for my entire career. But we debated the value of advertising and how sophisticated you need to be with segmentation and where you should focus on operations versus strategy. Today, I want to dive into your thoughts on the use of data and how data-driven marketing is or isn't effective. So let's start off from the top. Is data-driven marketing bullshit? Is using numbers just a fad? No. In the old world of marketing, there was no data. The Don Drapers of the world were running marketing, and it was all about storytelling because there was no other way to do it. And then with the advent of the internet, all of a sudden, the geeks took over and data-driven marketing became everything. But the problem was is that where the old world was the religion of storytelling, now we have this new religion of data, where if you can't run an A-B test, the answer isn't real. And that's where the new data-driven marketing runs into problems. Probably one of the most data-driven companies on the planet is Amazon. They basically built their entire business on being data-driven. But last year, in his shareholder letter, Jeff Bezos said something along the lines of, something I've noticed is that when anecdotes and data disagree, the anecdotes are usually right. There's something wrong with the way you're measuring things. And I think that's true more and more where you can't always trust the anecdotes, but you can't always trust the data either because it's very easy to measure the wrong things. I think with the rise of the digital era of marketing, we've shifted away from marketing being a creative art-driven 
portion of business to something that is a blend of art and science. And I feel like this first 20 years of digital marketing has been all the development of the science portion. And now we're getting to an inflection point where businesses, brands, marketers, and business leaders are starting to understand that there is a blend of both the creative and the data portion, right? The evaluation. So help me figure out where the line in the sand lies. Where should you be focused on storytelling and where does the data actually dictate what your business decisions should be? Let me tell you a story. Expedia, this is long after I left Expedia. They're running thousands of these A-B tests a year and they have a big team that does it. One of the managers came up with this idea of what happens if we improve the photos on our website? Airbnb sent professional photographers out to all the properties. What if we did professional photographers at a lot of our hotels? Would that drive the conversion rate up? And so they ran a test. They sent out a photographer to, I think it was a thousand properties in the Northeast of the United States. And they took another thousand properties that were their control group. And then they put in the new photos for the thousand properties that the photos from didn't change the photos for the other thousand properties, measured the relative conversion rate on the two sets of properties. The test result came back and the control group won. The test group lost significantly worse performance with these new high level photos. So the AB testing team at Expedia said, all right, that's great. Let's move on. We tested it and we have a thousand more tests to run this year. Let's just move on to the next test. And the manager involved was like, wait a minute, something doesn't smell right. Like it's one thing if these new photos didn't improve things, but is it really possible these new photos made things worse? Is that what we're saying? And if that's the case, let's learn something from this. Let's try to figure out why this happened. The test team's like, no, 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 no. Like the data doesn't lie. The data said it's worse. We don't need to know why it was worse. We just know, know that it was worse. Let's go and test something else and not waste our time on something that's not effective. It's also very expensive to take all those photos. Let's move on. Test failed, move on. Fail fast. And the manager's like, I'm going to keep looking. And so the manager dug in and he looked at which page on the Expedia website the problem came in. Because there's two pages. One is like the hotel results where you show like all the list of all the hotels and the person chooses which hotel to click on. And the second one is the hotel detail page where you're actually on the individual hotel page and you're looking around deciding which room to book. Yeah, the search results and the product page. Exactly. Right. Once people landed on the product page, once they were on the actual hotel result page, almost all the photos were, conversion rate went way up. It was great. The problem was, is people weren't clicking on the hotel to go to the hotel page. The hotel result page that had a list of all the hotels, both the tests and the control hotels, only had one photo per hotel. So he's like, well, is the problem with just that one photo? And so we dug into that a little bit more. And it turns out that they did this test in February. What do you think hotels look like in February? The exterior shots of hotels in the Northeast United States in February are like dreary. <laughs> There's like clouds and dirt on the ground. Like they're not like sunny, beautiful photos. And turns out people want their sunny, beautiful photos, even if they're going to stay at the hotel in the winter. Even if they're going to be in Nova Scotia in November. Yeah, the sun and the photo matters. So people just didn't click on the hotel. So he found the problem and was able to go and fix it. He used data to solve the problem, but it wasn't a blind reliance on data where I just take the data and move on. It was, hey, let's think about what this data is telling us and try to figure out a solution to this problem rather than just trusting the first data that comes out the door. I think the takeaway here is that judgment really matters. Data-driven marketing, you can use data to evaluate and get some assumptions, but sometimes your data can be wrong and understanding that why the data is saying what it is, is just as important as the actual results. I'll give you a second related story is Groupon. I negotiated the Groupon Expedia partnership and I was there in their early days and they were growing like crazy. And their, their whole model was we're going to send out one amazing, I don't know if you guys remember back in those days, 
Groupon became like the email you opened first thing in the morning because it was ridiculous, amazing deals every morning. It was like discovery and an incredible deal at the same time. And as they were scaling and growing, they had an influx of suppliers who were offering great deals. And they went to Andrew Mason, who was the CEO at the time. And they said, Andrew, we should try to send out more than one email at a time. And Andrew's like, are you crazy? No, no. The whole model is like, we send out the best thing ever. We're not going to send out multiple emails. And they said, well, we're a data-driven company, Andrew. It's part of our model of our business. Why don't we test it? And Andrew said, okay, you're right. I don't think it's a good idea, but we're data-driven. It's not going to be the highest paid person in the room making the decision. Go and test it and see what it tells you. And they ran the test and opt-out rates only got a little bit higher. It was very low. And people bought the second deal. And they went back to Andrew and said, hey, look at the data. The data is saying that we make more money when we promote more than one deal. In a short time frame. Exactly right. Right. So the feedback cycle can't tell you what the impact is. I'm going to be on this test in 10 years. It can tell you what the impact is in one day. And the one day impact of that test was that more deals is better. So Andrew caved into the fact that like the data was saying that they want more deals was better. And Groupon started increasing deals and increasing deals and increasing deals. And now we're left at the place where Groupon has turned into a mass coupon site and nobody's opening their email first thing in the morning. And they diluted themselves into nothing. And it's an example of just, again, trusting data over trusting judgment. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then. And instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. So yesterday we talked a lot about advertising and we talked about how performance marketing can be in some ways overrated, right? Because we're able to do direct attribution in real time, it can be very addictive, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's got the highest ceiling or it's the most effective marketing channel. There are other channels that are more top of the funnel and awareness driven that can have a larger impact on your business over a longer period of time, but they require a long investment. And today we're talking about data-driven marketing and evaluating your marketing and business strategy using a data-driven approach and how that can lead you to be short-sighted. So there's a common theme here. 
How do you build and evaluate feedback loops? How do you know what to trust when your advertising efforts might not necessarily be the best advertising in the world, but your direct response advertising channels might not be the most effective channel, but they're what you can get the closest proxy to conversions. And your data is something that requires you to constantly use judgment. Where do you build in feedback loops and what can you trust? When you're trying to measure something that happens very quickly and very fast, testing is fantastic. If I want to know which of these two web pages gets the person to click to the next page, there's no better way than to run an A-B test and you'll find the answer to that question. What you won't know is which of these two pages is going to have a long-term halo that's going to make you want to come back to my website for the next 10 years. And there's no data that's going to be able to tell you that. And the problem is, is that we pretend that there is. We say, hey, because we don't have an obvious, clear, click-through answer, instead, we're going to develop complicated answers that are going to try to predict what's going to happen in 10 years. And those complicated things make us feel more comfortable because it's giving us some numbers to look at, but it's not getting us an answer. And that's where you fall back to like having to trust judgment. And judgment is hard, judgment is squishy, and it's hard to know. But the alternative of just pretending that data can tell us the answer is just wrong. And we end up wasting our time hurting ourselves doing it. I'll tell you another story. I was looking at destination marketing, trying to figure out like how to do destination marketing really, really well. Because destination marketing, by definition, is a very long funnel thing. You can't get someone at the last minute to buy a flight to go to India. You have to like get, inspire them to go to India a year beforehand. And so when they plan their vacation, they decide to go to India. So how do you get that feedback cycle to know what's working, what isn't? And so I spoke with the head of destination marketing for Disney. I figure if anybody knows how to do this well, it's Disney. Disney's the master of this stuff. And I spoke with her and said, when you run these ads to get people to go to Disney World, what are you measuring? And she said, well, we look at a whole bunch of metrics, things like intent to travel, awareness of Disney World, and consideration, affinity for the Disney brand. And we check for all these different things, and we see whether or not our advertising is moving the needle on those metrics. And I said, oh, that's great. That's fascinating. And then you look at actual visits to your destination resorts in like 12 months period later, and you go back and look at that data, you're collecting it all. What type of correlations do you see? And she said, zero. There's no correlation at all between the metrics we're collecting and whether a number of people traveled to Disney World in a year later. And so I said, well, then what are you doing? Why are you trying to maximize these numbers when these numbers don't lead to any correlation? Forget about causation. They're not even correlated to what you actually want. And she said, well, I have to measure something. <laughs> and so much of marketing is turned into this world where we just feel we have to measure something. So we have to we pick a number and we start maximizing that number because we need to be measured on something rather than like taking a step back and being like, well, is that something we even care about? If intent to travel doesn't correlate to actual travel, then why are you measuring intent to travel? It's nice to know. Is it though? It might actually be hurting you. If intent to travel is inversely correlated to travel, we could use that number to try to minimize the number of intent to travel, but you sure wouldn't want to be maximizing it then. So why are you distracting yourself trying to collect this number that's not actually going to help the thing that you care about? At the end of the day, I think maturity as a marketer and understanding not only how long it takes to cultivate a marketing channel and having the best interests over the long-term brand and using judgment to understand what a snapshot of a short view of performance is as an indicator of what might happen, but knowing that it's not the whole picture, like that is the takeaway for me here. Let's use eating your broccoli versus a candy bar, right? A candy bar might give you a lot of energy in a short period of time, a real burst of energy, but inherently, you know that that is not good for you and you should be eating your vegetables. And it's a practice that 
as marketers, right, we've got addicted to the sugar, the crack, the energy boost of performance marketing and data-driven marketing that gives us an ability to optimize for performance in the short term. But on some levels, we've lost sight of what the long-term goal and impact is. And I, to me, that's a lot of what you're talking about and your approach to the book and marketing is, is you have to use your judgment you have to evaluate your tests and your data for what they are, which is imperfect snapshots in a short period of time. Using nutrition as an example is a great one because I'm going to put no in quotation words. We all know that broccoli is better for you than a candy bar, but man, trying to tease the data out that actually says that broccoli is better than a candy bar is actually really, really, really hard, which is why you get a new nutrition study every week telling you that now you need to eat potatoes, now you don't, carbs are bad, fat is bad. It's really unclear what actually works and what doesn't. But if you take a step back, it's pretty clear that broccoli is better than a candy bar. So last question for you. We've talked about what doesn't work. We've talked about how you can take a snapshot of data and it can be ineffective. Give me the guidelines for what are some best practices for building an effective marketing. What isn't BS? Having a brand is not BS. Having a brand that is consistent and unchanging is not BS. So many marketers want to come in and change their brands. And that's like the worst thing to do. Keep your brand and don't change it. Have lots of brand elements that are memorable. So have a unique color, have a unique shape, have a unique logo, have a unique sound, have a unique face, have something that people can tie their memory structures onto and remember what you're doing. And then keep that consistent and don't change it. You can change the variations to get someone's attention, but you want them to be able to tie back any sort of advertising you do back to those original elements. And so they all build on each other. So consistency is not BS. Testing and short-term feedback cycles is not BS. It's a distribution play, not a long-term branding play, but it makes sense. Mass marketing is not BS. You can waste money on mass marketing by buying inefficiently, but in general, making people aware of your product and convincing them to consider your product for purchase, that's super important. Getting distribution so that it's easy to buy your product is important. Reducing friction, making it easier to buy. Saving credit card data so the next time they buy it, it's going to be easier than the first time. Making sure that your website's running fast and the errors are being reduced. So basically making people aware of your product and making sure they remember your product so they consider your product and then making it really, really easy to buy them so there's a Coke always within arm's reach. That's how you win. Well, Edward, let me just say, I appreciate you coming on the show and I appreciate you challenging some of the common beliefs and the pillars of the digital marketing evolution and talking some sense into marketers that it is not all just data science, that the art component and the creative component of marketing is impactful as well. So thanks for being our guest. Great. Thanks for having me. All right. That wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Edward Nevermont, the author of Marketing BS, for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Edward, you can click on the link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You could send him a tweet at ednever, E-D-N-E-V-E-R, or you could visit his website, which is marketingbs.com. He also has a weekly newsletter, which is marketingbs.substack.com. A couple of links in our show notes that I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. If you're a subscriber to the Martech podcast, we'd love to hear from you. So we created benjshap.com slash question where you can send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can reach out on social media. My handle is benjshap on LinkedIn and on Twitter. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day during the work week. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. Or if you'd prefer to have our content delivered to your inbox, we have a once a 
week newsletter with links to our audio players, episode summaries, and the contact information for our guests. To subscribe, go to benjshap.com slash newsletter. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.